0: Welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Hey everybody, welcome to our newest show here on Lions of Liberty, Candidates of Liberty. This is your host for today's episode, John Odermatt, and on today's show... We are going to be talking to a Libertarian candidate running for office in New Hampshire, an already elected Libertarian, meaning he is running to be re-elected, which is a a very rare thing in Libertarian circles, but... I want to get right to this interview. Before I do that, I want to let everybody know where they can find the show notes page for today's episode. You can find it at lionsofliberty.com slash col5. And don't forget to check out our other three shows on this podcast network. Every Monday, we kick off the week with our flagship program hosted by Mark Clare, where Mark interviews leaders in the libertarian movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And every Friday, we have Felony Friday, where I, John Odermatt, take a look at the broken criminal justice system. All right, let's get rolling with today's show. Brandon Finney joins me today. He is a member of the New Hampshire House of Representatives, representing Stratford County's 24th District. Now, Brandon was originally elected as a Republican, but in June of uh, 2017, he announced that he was changing his party affiliation to the Libertarian Party. Now he is up for re-election this year, uh, so he's been campaigning, and he is on the show on Candidates of Liberty to talk about his campaign, to talk about... Um, what he believes in as a Libertarian. Brandon, welcome to Candidates of Liberty.
1: Good evening, and thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on, man. And I kind of want to jump right into, uh, I guess, sort of the juicy part of, uh, of your story here. You started out as a Republican, right? So if we can kind of start at, like, what, what pushed you towards Republicans to start with? Why did you originally um, run as a Republican?
1: Yes this is usually the first question I ever get asked by like anybody so uh, even even from you know from constituents that that might have had, uh, that might have even known me you know prior to campaigning again but it's really if it, you know it's actually pretty simple I I've always kind of espoused a lot of you know small l libertarian principles um, but at at the time we didn't have ballot access in this state um the NIH wasn't really active until the 2016 election cycle we you know kind of got uh, you know started up again and then uh so we had to wait until after the election to actually get ballot access so i kind of had to pick the party that i had the most agreement with and that had more of a of an influence in the area that that i'm from so um it is more conservative in some parts of the city and i figured that would have you know that might have appealed to me more as like as a candidate than than then, then the other side, which I had no real agreements with at all, um, it was pretty easy to, to, be you know, to become a candidate on the ballot, and uh, I originally had, I wanted to be an independent, actually, but um, they don't, you know, make things easy, uh, you know, for independent candidates to get on the ballot as a first time ever campaigning for anything, I didn't want to, tried out that hard to be honest with you like I really had no like you know prior experience in politics so this is kind of like hey like I want to try it and see like what happens and um so that's just kind of how it all kind of played out and you know thankfully I won in my first time
0: so that's pretty cool so your first time campaigning you won um yeah so <laughs> what what was that like how hard was that to to build up a campaign from scratch I mean did you know other people did you have mentors that helped you out how'd you how'd you do that
1: so it's it's really a matter of getting involved in you know the you know the local groups in your community that that have um, that you know those kind of connections to the community where they're able to you know uh, recruit candidates and and you know build up campaigns by just getting to know people in the area and know, you know like as I said you know some parts of the city are more conservative than others and so like at least Ward Five is definitely a lot more conservative so that's kind of where a lot of those people came from and. It was it was kind of easy to have them build around me because I'm a young, you know, you know, semi attractive dude. Where and I'm not just saying that because I'm you know, you know, for ego purposes. Like if you were to you know literally walk into one of you know you know their their meetings that it's all like a lot of older folks, a lot of you know retirees and and so like having a fresh face in there you know kind of can can put a a you know jolt in their group and so it was easy to get people to be like, hey, like we have a new face of, of kind of like like our party in the area. Like you know, we, you know, we want to put up the younger candidates and whatnot. So um but I really didn't build my campaign off of the Republican platform. I built it off what I personally believe in is the best course of action for public policy. And that's always been my foundation since I've been in politics. Since I first really you know started paying attention to the political process and you know kind of what goes on in government itself. So That's talked about on the campaign trail in 2016 was not, you know, I didn't give a crap about you know Trump or 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 Hillary or any of that crap. I didn't talk about because what was happening in state is a lot more prevalent and has more of an impact on people than what's happening in the federal government. So, excuse me, I I tried to, you know, hit home that like I, I truly believe maximizing personal freedom and I want our state to be more fiscally. Uh, I, I did say fiscally conservative, but you know we all mean that that we you know, we, you know want our state budgets to be, uh, you know, uh, responsible and and you know to fit it within its means and and um, you know I'm kind of getting ahead here now, but I, like, like after I got elected, um, I found out pretty quickly that the you know GOP in New Hampshire was is not equipped to how do I put this uh, stick to its own platform. So, when so they're the like governor, the GRP
0: everywhere else, I guess, too. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> so so we get a Republican governor for the first time in probably like twelve years and yeah, I got elected on a um, biennium uh you know spending time. I call it biennium spending because they're not gonna, you know, cut spending, they're gonna increase spending, and that's you know, and that's exactly you know uh, what actually happened. The governor proposed um, a spending bill that increased spending by 600 million dollars and that to me it was like beyond the scope of, of of believable you know that that's what would be presented to the people of the state who had elected a quote-unquote more conservative government in the house and you know i um, in the governor's office and even in the senate uh, in the state and it was really frustrating to see that course of action take place like not long after i got elected so um but that but you know but you know that came around probably about like you know february march time but like even in the beginning when we started having committee hearings and you know house sessions in january i was just seeing like how much you know infighting and and you know caucusing was kind of happening within their own their own party you know kind of like the lp in a lot of ways for conservative wing and the republican party in hampshire called the freedom caucus and those are the ones who uh they're they're very conservative, you know, especially on on fiscal issues. So they up the budget pretty hard, and they they were able to trim some things, but there were some backdoor spending in this bill, and it was just a whole mess. And I was like, this is not what I got elected to do, and I and I don't believe in this at all. I'm not going to be in a party that's going to you know pretty much do everything the opposite of what we got elected to do. So I had a meeting with the governor, um, I want to say in April. And I said, that I'm not going to vote for this. And actually I'm considering switching parties and, you know, being a newcomer, I'm not going to be anybody that, they, that, they care about. Um, mm-hmm. So after all the house sessions were completed in the beginning of June, I scheduled a press conference and I gave a press conference on this, the uh, state capitals uh, steps. And I said, I'm switching parties and that's it. And I, you know, I talked about how the two parties don't control us. They don't control me. I don't believe in the establishment. I believe in the rights of the individual and I don't, believe uh in the way government is pretty much trying to govern us yeah you know people said well that's you know political suicide and blah 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 but i but i look at it as you know if i'm going to get elected to public office and and try to change things why am i going to get elected in an establishment that does everything to you know keep its own power and doesn't you know and does jack shit for the individual Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of gets me going because I didn't run on that. I've never ran on that. I've never run on like, what's government gonna do for you? I'm running on. I'm getting the government out of your life. So I'm trying to, you know. So that's what I'm talking about here.
0: So I mean, so you've obviously had that streak in you before you started uh, as a Republican. That this libertarian streak, this small L streak. Where did that come from? Where, where did that where'd that fire get lit?
1: My first was an '8 um i was a ron paul guy i think a lot of us were it's kind of you know where where a lot of us you know millennials like older millennials kind of started um and i, I believe in him because he was the the only candidate to talk about getting us out of war he, and he's the only candidate talking about abolishing federal agencies and i was like this dude's awesome and i totally agree with everything he's saying so um but i was pretty bummed out when he got you know booted from the primary that year and i ended up voting for Obama specifically to keep Sarah Palin out of office, if, if I'm just you know be honest about that, but I was what 2008, I was probably like 20, so I I mean I really didn't know like a whole lot, like I knew enough issues. I you know I did a lot of background on on both campaigns, and I didn't have confidence in Republican ticket that year. So you know I voted for Obama, and I and I I bought into that bullshit, and and we saw where that you know that um, eight years of his administration got us. So um but you know it it's a live and learn thing and and that's kind of like how you grow as an adult but um you know sorry for the you know you know for the sidebar um i actually got uh involved in state politics when i was uh, overseas in, in 2015 i'm still in the military and i was serving in an army unit um doing some engineer stuff um in the united arab emirates and um I kind of saw some stuff happening back home that I was like really angry about. They had suspended the house rules to pass a bill um, to basically increase the police state, um, Mm -hmm. you know, by, um, you know, trying to crack down on the so-called drug, you know, and, and throwing more uh, addicts in jail. And then, and then talking about, you know, they want to go after the out of state dealers and whatnot. And didn't do any of that. It was just an excuse to, you know, throw more people in jail for nonviolent crimes. So, um, I was pretty angry about that. I was pretty angry about just the shisty things that, that they seem to be doing. Um, and I, you know, instead of being that, that, you know, armchair keyboard warrior, I'm actually going to do, do something about it. And so, uh, when I got home that Christmas, I had to wait until June for the filing period. And that's what, you know, I talked about getting involved in the community and going to meet people. That's kind of how that started. I started going to the meetings and getting to know people in the area and kind of like what's, what's, you know, politically savvy in the area. Um, and that's how I started. I signed up at my city clerk's office. I paid two dollars, and I became a candidate. You know, and it's it's so easy to just get on a ballot here because there's so many people in the house.
0: <laughs> wow. Obviously, you're libertarian now. I assume that a Republican has filled the uh, the vacancy you left and is running against you. And is there also a a Democrat you're running against now?
1: Yes, yes, and and so those candidates actually came on the ballot pretty late. Um, like to the point where I thought I'd be unopposed for this seat, honestly. Because um, the, the filing period only like, uh, like eight days maybe, like nine days, they have, you know, for people to, to file. And they didn't file until like the sixth day in. So I honestly thought that I was going to be unopposed. And, you know, prior to, to seeing people put their name on the ballot, I had meetings with the Speaker of the House. I had a meeting with the state Republican chair, the county, uh, the Stratford County Republican Committee chair, and you know, and I kind of said, "Look, I kind of get why you guys would be upset with you know me switching parties and and no longer being an R in the House, but you have to understand that like when I campaigned for this seat, I never lied to anybody about where I stood. I never lied to anybody about what my alliances are politically and philosophically. So you knew what you were getting when you when you." You know, supported my, you know in uh, my campaign to you know get elected for this seat. So it wouldn't make any sense for you to try to vote me out just on the merit that I'm not in your party anymore. When you're going to get somebody that's not going to vote, you know, for liberty, and that's kind of what we all talk about, right? So I, I try to 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 hit home that like I I understand that you're mad that I switched parties, but I did it because. The the Republican Party has proven that they're inept in governing, and I care more about the people that that I'm there for than my own, you know, career, quote-unquote, so I'm going to be politically aligned with a party or a philosophy that makes the most sense for my principles, and so that's kind of what I said, and I said I would appreciate, like, not getting strong opposition from you based on the merit that you can look to see how I voted on every bill um, in the last two years and tell me where I voted incorrectly you know tell me where I've been a bad vote because you're not gonna get someone better than me in this seat um, and you know so I think the other two candidates might just be on the ballot just you know for the sake of filling the ballot I have not seen anything from them and their campaigns and I you know, obviously, it's still early because our primaries are all uncontested for this seat. Um, so, who knows? Like, after next Tuesday, the 11th, um, we'll see if they're going to start you know, picking things up. Or for now, not a peep out of them. And um, I'm hoping that that's, you know, kind of the, the course of action going forward where they're not going to campaign as hard because they're just on the ballot. Whereas me, like, I'm fighting every day for everybody in these wards to, to keep me in this seat not because I want to stay here for a long time, but because I want to keep uh, doing the work that I've started and finish what I've started and be done in 2020. Um, And that's kind of my plan. I don't, I don't plan to be here forever. I've got a life to live. Um, But, you know, I, but as I'm here and I'm in state politics and you know, and I'm a a public figure in that way, I'm going to work my ass off for everybody that, you know, put me in Concord and and put me in that state house and wants me to vote in their interest, you know, if you know, for their freedoms and their money. So, um, I'm going to keep protecting, you know, those those you know qualities of, of um, you know, of our lives. you know, you know, it, 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 you know, it 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 all kind of comes down to like, are are the rights that we enjoy being infringed, and how much money can they take from us? That's you know, essentially like how we deal with our governments. So, I try to be as transparent as possible. I've sent out mailers. Um, I'm, you know, hitting up doors. I'm not as often as I, you know, like you know, as I'd like to. But um, hopefully, after the primary, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be able to, you know, to kind of get some more people involved to help me do that. So, what
0: what are some things you do uh, to promote transparency? Like, is there something? Do do you address each of your votes, or is I mean, is what, what type of what type of things do you do? So, since
1: uh, January of this year um i started hosting a live stream session um on my uh on my page after every house session i, I went through the house calendar so i've got one right here so this you know so that's kind of what our house calendars uh look like and in these house calendars there's all kinds of bills in here that we deal with you know it, it kind of gives us the you know committee blurbs on the bill and kind of where their stance was as to why it was voted uh, in favor or not in favor out of the committee, um, and I talked about that. I talk about like what the committee's you know said about the bill. I talked about the you know floor testimony. I talked about what, what you know you know you know, um, my perspective on the underlying issue on the bill. Um, and people you know seem to forget that you vote you know for a bill or you know um, or, or you know are you votes to to kill a bill, it's not always about the issue that you're voting on. If you're going to vote something into law, the actual law has to make sense as it's written up. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we tend to get a lot of bills that the, you know, the language in the bill, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not clear. It's, it's, it's it's vague. And so we don't want to put something in the law that that's not going to be enforceable. Um, So I want to, you know, kind of put that out there for anybody who, who's not, like you know, like already, and i in, um, like involved in the political process. That it's, it's not a nay vote on the bill, like as an issue. It's because the bill is probably written like crap. <laughs> so that you know that tends to happen. Uh, you know, uh, we have an office that that kind of does all of that for us. Um, all the reps kind of go to the office when the when the filing period opens. You know, and we give them an M, um in a, a um RSA and we say, look, I I want to change this. I want to repeal that or whatever. And then, you know, the lawyers in the office kind of draft up the language of the bill. Cause that's, you know, they have to do it by, but you know, by the language that's written in the law in the state. And then they, they kind of give us the bill. Um, and we say yay or nay on language and whatnot. And then it goes forward. So we don't actually write our own bills per se. I mean, you know, people can, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 but they have to you know go through the office of, uh, of legislative services. So,
0: Um, so Brandon, let's, uh, let's talk about, I mean, obviously you've been in office, you're trying to get reelected for at least a couple more years here. So you've probably been working on some things that are, you know, you're very passionate about and probably want to continue working on them in the coming years here. So just name, you know, two or three things that really are, you know, the most important, um, things that you're, you're working to change in your state.
1: That's a good question. Um, well, like I, like I was saying, uh, you know, I, I, I believe very much in transparency. So that's, you know, kind of the things i talk about on my videos, you know, like on my page is like, you know, here's why I'm in office is to change this. And a lot of it has to do with the drug war. I, I would likely end that. <laughs> and we, we did a good thing by decriminalizing, you know, um, cannabis in this state. But unfortunately, we're, we're still kind of an island of prohibition in New England where we're the only state that has not fully legalized it. Um, and I was the co-sponsor on the bill to, you know, to do that. I, I presented the bill to the second house committee that the bill uh, went to. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating that they're making it such a political issue in the state that they just won't pass it. Um, so that's something I'm fighting for, not because I want to, you know, start seeing a bunch of pot smoking hippies or whatever, but that's, I mean, you know you know, that's your life. That's I'm I'm cool with that too, but you, you probably already you know, have idea. plenty of those.
0: There's <laughs> probably already plenty of pot smoking <laughs> hippies up in New Hampshire, but
1: <laughs> oh yeah. But that's but that's fine. I mean, you know, they're they're peaceful people. So, um, but not, like I don't want to give the police more power to control people's uh, behavior and 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 how they choose to um, imbibe chemicals and whatnot and obviously we know that our state governments enact the, you know, the laws, but, but the police are the ones who actually enforce them. And so um, I I think, you know, bills like um, the, the granite hammer bill as talked about that, that, you know, really sparked my interest in state politics Mm -hmm. um, was kind of an expansion of police power in the state. And it all has to do with drugs and, and, you know, the, um, ability of people to be able to do them or not, and and as a, a former corrections officer, like most of the people that came to my jail were uh, for nonviolent um, drug offenses, and, and, and to me that was really frustrating that they're not actually committing a crime, but they're going to be you know be filling up a cell in my day room for not really doing anything but having a drug on them. Um, so you know, to me, that's you know kind of an egregious uh, power of the government that I want to you know scale back and eliminate completely. Another one, um, which kind of goes hand in hand is the, you know, the idea of criminal, you know, a, a criminal justice, uh, reform that whole system. Uh, we did some stuff with bail in the last six months, which, um, has helped, but the uh, county attorneys are not really in favor of that, but I honestly don't you know care about their opinion because their job is, is, you know, is to prosecute. So it's, it's going to make their job harder and I'm fine with that. Um, Another one is, you know, is, is actually something I've already been doing. Um, it's kind of finding obscure and like unenforceable laws that are still on the books in this state and trying to get, you know, you know trying to uh, repeal them, uh, which I have. Uh, nice. And it's, it's important because I, I think it's important to kind of clean up a lot of our, you know, our, our, our codes and ordinances and whatnot in the state for, you know, for, you know, for things that, that don't have an impact on our current reality today. Um, I got two bills signed into law. The first one was about the use of milk containers, and it was you know pretty much uh, decriminalizing like what stuff people can put in milk containers. It's it's an old obscure law from I think 1907. So, but it wasn't being enforced because you know like who's going to get you know thrown. You know, put in jail for for putting like soda or something like in a milk container. That's that was dumb to me. So that actually passed. You know, pretty easily. Uh, excuse me. My second bill, um, which has gotten me the most press, to be honest with you. Um, I've, I've, I've you know I've gotten featured on you know, on you know the Reason uh, site uh, quite a bit. I've, I've had I've had interviews with uh, Matt Welch uh, twice now about this bill. Um, so I put in a bill which people you know, see it as being able to drink alcohol while performing on stage. What the bill actually did was uh, changes the employment status of entertainers like bands and comedians and whatnot who perform in the state to be considered private contractors under employment law. So, you know, so they wouldn't be subject to the same rules as employees of the venues are where they're on the clock. They're getting paid an hourly wage. They, you know, sign paperwork as an employee, as, like as we all do. Um, they can't drink on the job. But if you're an, an, you know, an entertainer, like you're kind of like your own entity. You're being contracted by the venue to perform a service and then leave. Um, mm-hmm. So there's no way really to to track that work. You're kind of just there and you go. You know. So I, I find it really arbitrary that in one part of the venue you could be considered a customer and you'd be fine having a beer at the bar. And then as soon as you go like 15 feet and you go up a stage area, now you can be enforced by liquor commission in this state to say, well, now we're going to take, you know, a license from you to sell alcohol. We're going to find you. We're going to shut you down. We're going to do all this, this and that. Um, and in some places that actually happens i i i had promoters come to the committee and testify and say look like we can't get certain tour packages and we can't get certain bands to come here because of this stupid law and it's not enforceable um and what was funny about that was the commission actually agreed they can't enforce it so they're going to sign in in favor of my bill and they're going to say yeah like get rid of it it's dumb and we're like and and we're one of the only states in the entire country that even enforces it anyway, you know. Um, so I'm I'm glad to you know to be able to scale back a power of a state agency, but also as as someone who plays, uh, you know, I sing and I play drums and whatnot. Like, like I don't want to be told that I can't have a beer on stage like while I'm playing. When it doesn't have any like impact on my ability to play, it doesn't have any impact on you know like like on the venue. It's just like that that freedom to. To have a beer or, 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 or you know whatever kind of alcohol it is and be free, mm-hmm. and and now you know the bar owners mm-hmm. won't be hit with this state agency coming in and you know and, and soiling up their 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 place of business. So I'm 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 happy that that's um, in law. It's actually been in law for 30 days now. Nice. So I'm um, I'm pretty happy about that.
0: Yeah, that that law is just just a prime example of how broken government is even local government state government i mean people point to the federal government being insane and it is but it's like you said the fact that you can walk five steps okay you can have a beer here but you pick up that guitar you start playing those drums put that beer down put that beer down <laughs> yeah. stop it you stop it right it's exactly. it's craziness but uh yeah that's that's awesome and i, I did read that article too by uh or i guess that interview with you in in reason which is really cool uh one more question for you brandon um so, so this is sort of a, a curveball question, I guess. Uh, it's not, not a gotcha question, but um, you know, something yeah. to put some thought into. So there's a lot sure. of libertarian p- positions out there that might be a little controversial or that maybe – definitely libertarians differ on uh, you know, the, the way they feel about it, the way they attack them, the way that they think uh, you know, a more free society would be structured. So out of these libertarian positions um, that are maybe a little more um, – ambiguous um are there any of them that you know you're you're not fully on board with you know just flat out you know always always more liberty
1: um yes and <laughs> and and here's you know the current controversy in the party is the idea of the open borders policy um and I get it. I really do. I, I sympathize with the idea of property rights. Obviously, that's a huge part of, of our philosophy lies, but we don't live in a utopia. Um, I've heard every argument about this, so my mind's not going to be changed on it. As long as governments exist, which they always will in America, an open borders policy does not make sense for this country. Um, you can look at what's happening in Germany and in Sweden. like A lot of places in um, know you know like you know, um, that area where, where they've opened up you know kind of the gates and they've met a flood of people in and they've caused all kinds of havoc and harm uh, on people on property on on, on their economy um, I'm I'm very wary of that you know kind of thing happening here which it already kind of is in some ways um, you know I don't think that we're being invaded by any means but I think that a streamlined immigration process where where people you know aren't like on the waiting list for like five or ten years. Like you you know you fill out an application and, and they do a background check on you and you're clear and you're in. Like it shouldn't take more than, than six months to get people here. But I, I think that the, the the process that we have currently it's it's kind of outdated. It's it you know we we you know need to find a better way to make it easier for people to get here. But I don't believe in completely just you know throwing open the the you know floodgates and letting everybody in. Um, and I and I, I get the argument that you can't restrict people's you know ability to travel and whatnot. That's not what that means. If you know, I, I might be you know somebody that still kind of believe in the you know like in the idea of the founders. Um, you know the, you know like a nation of free individuals. That's you know kind of what I believe in. I don't believe in a completely like utopian anarchist you know society. I just don't. Um, I get the arguments for it, but I but I look at what the reality is, and I just don't see that happening here. Um, it, it's an argument that I think that that we're always going to have, and you certainly are are free to do with your property how you wish. But I think like the country as a whole, they don't believe what we believe in you know, we're, we're a small fraction of society, you know, politically and philosophically, they're not going to align with that, you know, kind of idea. And they're going to, um, you know, like immediately onto any other idea that, that we would have based on the idea that someone can just waltz in and that's how they're going to see it. So I'm not going to like espouse a principle of open borders and then completely sh- anybody that would ever vote for me. Um, that's just kind of where I stand. I'm not, you know, kind of throwing that in anybody's face or anything. I'm, I'm just saying like, we have to, th- be pragmatic about how we do the messaging to people that don't understand what we're about, uh, which is kind of funny because that's exactly like, you know, we're founded, you know, kind of on, on the same line of principles that like a lot of the founders were, but people don't see that anymore. They, they see what government is now and they think that that's what we need. I don't think we need as much government as we do. um, Like have now, but I I don't believe in a complete absence of government. I think that, that, the idea of a, a a complete uh you know you know constitutional republic that that we were found is is kinda how I see our country. What you do as an individual is a different story. You you still own yourself. You still own your identity, you own your body and you own your property. And no one can, can take that from you. So that's you know kind of where I stand on on that issue.
0: Well, that's fair, and I appreciate the the candid response there. You know, and this, I think it's very it's a very split issue within the Libertarian Party, and uh, it's it's hard to argue with the fact that how can you say you want open borders when you still have this massive bureaucratic beast of a government that is giving you know giving away handouts and uh, welfare to people and really manipulating the economy so. It's definitely uh, definitely exactly. a good argument, but so Brandon, that's that's it for the questions. I want to give you a chance to uh, you know plug your campaign, talk about where people can donate, where they can volunteer, where they can uh, get involved in any way.
1: All right, so you can find me on Facebook at rap Brandon Finney, my web finneynh.com dot uh, you know, it's the same site slash uh, donate. It's Finney, uh, P-H-I-N-N-E-Y. Don't don't spell it with an F. I'll, I'll be mad at you. Um, so that's that's you know kind of where we can. I need people to help me hit doors. Um, you know, com- compared to some areas, I'm I'm pretty small, but I'm, but I'm only one guy. So I I really could use, I'm I'm honestly good on money for now, which is a like, you know, like you know weird thing to say. I just I just need bodies. So if anybody's in my area or, or would love to, to travel here and, and help me hit doors you know, for like two days, that would be awesome. Um, but if not, I'd still support or, or i still, you know, want your, you know, your support on, on, you know, Facebook and, and uh, Twitter, which is uh, rep beef any on Twitter as well. So, um, you know, you know, I appreciate you guys having me today and, um, have a great night.
0: All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Hope you enjoyed our latest episode of candidates of Liberty. Um, we are really enjoying doing these shows, talking to these, libertarian candidates, getting to know them, getting to know about their campaigns and what drives them to the message of liberty. So I want to encourage you guys to subscribe to the Lions of Liberty podcast so not only you get future candidates of liberty shows, you also get our other three shows. Every Monday, our show hosted by Mark Clare, our Wednesday show hosted by Brian McWilliams, and our Friday show that I host called Felony Friday. So please subscribe and if you're really enjoying this content, we really want to encourage you to support us on Patreon. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. We really appreciate the uh, support. just want to thank you all for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.